How's everyone doing today? Good. One person said good. No one else doing good? Guys, it's my birthday. I hope you'll be doing okay. Actually, yes, yesterday was my birthday, so it's, it's all good. Thank you, Karma. That was, man, it's the most people that I think have ever sang happy birthday. Yeah, I'm going to find out when your birthday is. We're going to be like, oh, Karma, we need you to come up. And Okay, we're going to talk after service. Anybody else uh, really not like people singing happy birthday to them that I can? Okay, one, two, three. Okay, great. You guys will need to do something on stage on that day. And I'm just kidding. Um, that was great. Thank you, guys. You, that, was, that made me feel good. Made me blush. Um, so I'm, uh, if you don't know me, my name's Brian. I uh, attend here with uh, my wife and my four kids. And uh, we leave our dogs at home, though. They don't, they don't normally come. My wife told me not to make that joke. I said it to her the other night. She's like, that's not funny. Um, I think it's kind of funny. Um, anyways, <laughs> I usually don't go from playing to, to here. So uh, if you're wondering, like, man, why is Brian here? Where's, he was here a few weeks ago. Where's Tyler? Um, Tyler tested positive for COVID this week. He's doing great, um, but he did test positive for COVID. So uh, he said, hey, Brian, um, you know, can you uh, take my notes and, and be able to, to teach a little bit this Sunday? And I was more than happy to do that. And, and, and I know some of you might be thinking like, you know, like maybe you played Dejaric, and so you're like, okay, we should just hologram Tyler in. Um, <laughs> holograms are, are not cheap. Um, so we, uh, we, we're keeping that out of the budget for 2023. So, uh, but maybe 2024 when Tyler gets sick and it's, it's the new COVID strain, then we'll, we'll do the hologram. <laughs> so I know, just full of jokes. It's great. Um, <laughs> I thank you for laughing. I appreciate it. Um, so jumping in, I, I, does anyone get the Northern Light? I think we all get the Northern Light. Does anyone live in our zip code and not get the Northern Light? Okay, so we all get it. So um, some of you might read it, some of you might not. But but this um, this last Northern Light was pretty cool, um, especially for those of you who, who grew up in Blaine. There's there's four teachers who are retiring this year. Those four teachers um, have a combined total of 136 years having taught in the Blaine School District. How cool is that? Four people, 136 years. That's 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 a lot of time. And when you're in a small town. That's big to know that that there are teachers who've been that committed um, to 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 students to to our kids to you and and and, and I, I loved it and and so it was um, a spoiler alert if you haven't read it it's uh, Mr. Gray, uh, Mr. Steelquist, Mr. Nixon, Mr. Shock anyone Mr. Shockey anyone have any of those teachers? No one. Okay, that's okay. Your son did. I had three of them. Um, I know I know that some others have that aren't here today. And that's all good. Um, but uh, as I thought about this week, because I had three of these teachers, so, so I, I spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, man, okay, high school was cool. What was, you know, how, how did these people have an impact on my life? And, and I read that article, and then I found out later I was going to be preaching this Sunday as well. And, and I, I couldn't help but sort of have some of those thoughts intertwined a little bit. Um, and, and I kept thinking about, you know, what, what made these teachers really impactful. I know they impacted my life, but, but so much so that, you know, if, if, if you go online, people are, are sharing this article. I've had people even text me and say, oh, my goodness, did you hear this person's retiring? And, and I've kind of thought, man, like what, what, you know, when you have students who've, who've impacted, or teachers who've impacted students so much, what, what is it that, that happened? And, and as I thought about it more and more, I thought, man, these teachers, they, they really, from my experience and from the experience of a lot of people I went to school with, they knew their purpose as teachers, and, and they lived that out. 
They were committed to, to caring for, educating, and inspiring students. And, and when, when they do that every day, they, they, those teachers, they, they're not the teachers that walk in willy-nilly and think, hey, just because I'm a teacher, things are going to change, right? Just the same as if you've got a boss who says, well, I'm your boss. I don't have to be good at it, but I'm your boss, so things are going to happen. No, these, these were the teachers who came in, and they work hard, and they, they, they lived out that purpose. And I think that's so much different than just, than just having the title because that's what really made the difference. And I know for me, one of those teachers that had the biggest impact on me was, was his name was Mr. Gray. He's the band teacher, and he taught middle school and high school. So being the band teacher in middle school and high school meant that if you took band from middle school through high school, you had the same teacher for a long time. So I had Mr. Gray for, for six years. Um, I liked it so much. My senior year, I took three classes with him. Um, but, you know, I also was just trying to stay out of some other classes. I didn't want to have to take all those APs. But anyways, I'm in school now and paying the price for it as a 30-something-year-old. 30, 30 but um, I remember when I was graduating, and, and, and this, you know, this teacher had been a part of my life for six years. And I remember I was thinking, man, life's going to go on. There were so many things that I was excited about. Um, I, was, I was an adult now. I was fully a man at 18. Um, that was a joke. So you can laugh at that. I wasn't totally, I was, I was still a, a boy um, in my, now that I look back. But, but I remember having kind of this bittersweetness of like, man, these, these teachers were this part of my life. They were people that I saw five days a week, and, and they had an impact on me. And some of them I really was considering, man, this person's a friend. This person's a mentor. And it was, it was kind of tougher. Man, my, my life is, is changing because these people aren't really going to be in anymore. I mean, sure, I could go back to the school and, and you know, be the weird guy who's like, I'm back to visit the teacher. But I didn't, you know, that, that's, that's different, right? And, and, and as my life went on, there were, the, I started to notice that there's more and more people in my life who, who kind of came and who went. And, and, and the, the purpose they had in my life was, was not meant to be forever. And, and that was okay, but, but that didn't always make it easy. But as I, I, I grew in my life and as I... Um, as I spent more, more time in church, as I, I, I spent more time talking to me about who God is and his relationship with me, I, I came to realize that my, my purpose that I get from my relationship with God is, is the ultimate purpose. It is, it is the purpose that, that there is no bittersweetness of like, oh man, God, you were so influential. Well, I guess I'm going on to this next stage of life and you know maybe I'll write you every once in a while. Maybe I'll come visit. Um, when we have... Our purpose, and it comes from our relationship with God, that is an eternal relationship. Christ came, and he died, and he saved you. And the purpose of it is, is not even a purpose of this world. It is a purpose of, hey, you, it comes from, you're going to be with me forever. You're, you're here now, yes, but, 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 but when you die or when I return and I take you with me, what, whatever it is, you're going to be with me forever. And, and I think that that point is really important because when we're going to be continuing today in Daniel and we're going to keep going in this series that, that we've called Faith in the Face of Uncertainty, and we see these, these Jewish characters in the book and, and, and they're going to go through more tough stuff, spoiler alert, we're going to see that, that they get their purpose from, from their relationship with God for who they are as His. And just like for us, that is so much bigger than, than all, all of the other things in life that could give us purpose, whether it's our job, whether it's our friendships, whether it's our mentors, whether it's, whether it's even our family, because, because it, is, it is our souls and our relationship 
with God that, that are going to continue on forever. And, and, and I'm, I look more at, as I'm reading through in Daniel, and as I'm thinking about these teachers, and, and just like the teachers were committed to, you know, we're committed to the students, we're committed to educating them, and, and that helped them live as great teachers. I, I believe that these characters in this book in Daniel and so many others in Scripture, they root themselves in their, the, the purpose they get from being in relationship with God, from being God's children, from, from being those who, who Christ came and saved and, and, and the Holy Spirit is in them has changed them. And I want to set up today because we're going to go through another section in Daniel. Crazy things are going to happen. They're still in Babylon, right? They, they, they didn't go back home. I'm not going to tell you the cozy story about when they went and sat and had coffee with them. I'm like, oh, things are good now. You know, they're, they're still in a tough spot. And, and we've got to remember that these guys have a purpose that is coming from their relationship with God. And for us, it works in the same way. So if we want to be taking anything from these stories, we want to say, I want to have faith in the face of uncertainty, then, then let me tell you, friend, we've, we've got to be pressing into that purpose that we get from our relationship with God. And what's awesome is, if we're followers of Christ in this life, Jesus makes it pretty clear what to do with that purpose. He says in Matthew 22, Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That, that, that is how we live out that purpose. And, and, and if we're pressing in and we're loving God with all our heart, soul, and mind, we're going to be able to have these moments where we say, man, okay, I have faith in the face of uncertainty, but we're rooted in our purpose. So when, when, when uncertainty comes, we can remember that, man, I'm, just, I'm called to love God because God loves me and he loves me eternally. And he has me eternally no matter what happens. Because we're not just calling ourselves followers of Jesus, right? Just the same as, as a teacher could just say, yeah, I'm a teacher, but, but did anyone have a bad teacher? McCarthy boys, don't raise your hand, okay? I'm serious. And I didn't have any, I had great teachers before seventh grade when I was homeschooled. I had the best teachers ever. But, but some of you might have had a bad teacher, but did they not call themselves a teacher? Or maybe you had a bad boss, right? But the, the title is not what made them a great teacher. It's not what, what made them live out that purpose, but, but no, it, it, it's when they were committed to that. So when we live as followers of Jesus, not just saying, hey, I am a follower of Jesus, but we say, I, I'm going to live. I'm going to love God with all my heart, soul, and strength. I'm going to love others. When we live a life that is defined by our relationship with God, we're going to be able to look at these moments of faith and we're going to be able to have it. Because the strength of our faith comes from our relationship with God by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if we want to experience God more, if we want to live more faithfully, let's commit to loving God. And as we've, we've anchored in this, this, this purpose, if we're to walk by faith, uh, I think now we can, we can take a look at this passage and, and learn some, some stuff. In today's passage, it's, it's in Daniel. It's chapter 3. We're, we're going to go through much of the chapter. And we're going to be seeing a pretty awesome story about something that happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three men who walked in love and in obedience to their God. And as we looked at in the previous three weeks, these three guys, like their friend Daniel, they were kidnapped from their homeland. As young men, they were, they were brought into a place that was, for them, a pagan land to learn a new language, to learn about a new culture, to be, to be forced to serve a king. And, 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 and things have been, been pretty wild. But, but God has continued to see them through. And as we, we saw last week, um, Daniel 
had gone and, and stopped some of the death threats from the king because he was able to interpret his dream. And through that process, Daniel gained favor with the king and, and he got a promotion. And, and that kind of sets up where Daniel or where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are going to end up. So Daniel 2 finishes off saying, at Daniel's request, and this is right after Daniel's been promoted now, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to manage the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained the king's court. Okay, so Daniel, by the power of God, was able to interpret a dream. The king was like, whoa, that was crazy. Your God is insane and amazing. And, and I'm going to promote you. And then Daniel says, great, well, let's, let's, let's promote my buddies. Okay? So after last week's story, they've been promoted. But what we see, though, that, that they're going somewhere else. Okay, they're not, they're not staying with Daniel. So that's key because Daniel's not going to be a part of this story, and that's, that's why. It's not like he's just hanging out and we don't hear about him. He's, he's somewhere else. So now we hear this story, and it starts off saying, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to assemble the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to attend the dedication of the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces assembled for the dedication of the statue the king had set up. Then they stood before the statue Nebuchadnezzar had set up. A herald loudly proclaimed, people of every nation, and language you are commanded when you hear the sound of the horn flute zither lyre harp drum and every kind of music a lot of lists of things here i know but you don't need to know all the, those are instruments um so you're good um you are to fall face down when you hear the music you are to fall face down and worship the gold statue that king nebuchadnezzar has set up but whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire Okay, that's the key here, right? Nebuchadnezzar's built this big statue, and when he brings all of his sort of court officials and all these other people who work for him, and when the music plays, they need to fall down and worship, or they're going to be thrown into a blazing fire. They're going to be killed. Now, most people here, the satraps, prefects, governors, I won't go through the whole list again, but most of them would, would probably not have much issue bowing down to an image of a god or a king. It doesn't specify what the image is, but, but, but any image. They probably wouldn't have a problem with that. And that's because it's a result of them being from the ancient Near East. And that's kind of the region where Babylon is and where this story takes place. And, and that's because most people from these areas were already worshipers of numerous gods. So aside from the Jewish people, most, most of the other people in this area, they had lots of gods. So incorporating another god into their worship, especially at the threat of death, um, would probably be, have been okay. And, and I want to point this out because I think it's important for us to realize, I mean, Karma, Karma talked earlier about, you know, we're in a culture that, that is changing and that's difficult and that is not changing in ways that are, that are of God, right? And so when, when, when we remember that, yeah, no, I'm, I live in this culture where, where there, are, there are moral ideas, there are values, there are, there are joys and pleasures and, and things to be sought after that are not of God. We've got to remember that, that if our purpose is not rooted on our relationship with God, but is instead rooted in worldly things, when something comes and it, it impacts our feelings or our fears or our desires— it's going to be a lot harder to trust God and obey Him and say, I'm going to say no to these things, I'm going to go to God if, if we're not already rooted in God. Does that make sense? 
It's easier if, if you're not rooted in God in your life, it's going to be easier to be like, oh, man, well, whew, threat of death. Like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. Rather than saying, like, no, I, I know I'm rooted in my relationship with God, and I can trust in that. So let's read and, and see what happens next. And it says, Therefore, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, lyre, harp, and every kind of music, people of every nation and language fell down in bold statues that Nebuchadnezzar set up. Some Chaldeans, as a group of people, um, took this occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the Jews. And they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. You as king have issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the instruments must fall down and worship the gold statue. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the furnace. This is them saying, like, hey, this is what you said, okay? So they're saying to the king, hey, you said whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the furnace of a blazing fire. And then what do they do? They say, hey, there are some Jews you have appointed to manage the province, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these men have ignored you. They've ignored you, the king. Right? They're talking to the king, or they're saying, hey, they, they've ignored you. And they do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. As the Chaldeans go, they tell the king about, about the, th the three Jews who are not following orders, and, and, and there's, no, there's no going around here, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew that this was a possibility. Okay? But they were, they were willing to risk everything to obey God. So let's see how Nebuchadnezzar responds. It says, a furious rage, then in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue that I've set up? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the instruments and every kind of music, fall down and worship the statue I made. Okay, he's giving them another chance here. But if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Nebuchadnezzar calls him in. And despite his rage, he, he, we saw he gives him another chance. Say, hey, you can follow my orders. Because I, I, think, I think here's why. I think because the statue being worshipped, even though we don't know what it is, I, I don't think that's, that's his concern. I don't think he's like, you didn't worship this statue. No, I, I think when we look at it, what's really ticking him off is that they're not listening to him. That's why he finishes. He says, he says who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Not the power of the, the God of the statue, right? He says, you, he, he says to them, you don't serve my gods. Worship the gold statue that I set up. And that's why I think he's willing to give them another chance because this is about him. It's about his exercise of power and his kingship. And, and in a minute, you're going to see why, why it's, it's what happens is kind of cool because it's about him, okay? So what does Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do? They reply to the king Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if you do not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. So when we read this, we've got to notice that they're not arguing with the king. They're not coming out like, bro, you don't even know. Oh, come on, man. They're not being sarcastic. They're like, oh, well, no. They're, they're, they're just being pretty confident and clear. They're, they're not there for, for disrespect. They're, they're there to communicate clearly and confidently. Maybe, and, and maybe, for all we know, maybe they were shaken. I, I don't know. I would be shaking. But we know that they're, 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 they're speaking clearly and confidently to the king. Not because it's not a big deal, 
but because they they want to make very clear that hey we're, we're not going to do this we're going to honor our god and and whether and and we believe that he's going to take us out but even if he doesn't we're still not going to bow down and so what happens next nebuchadnezzar is filled with rage and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than was customary. And he made some of the best soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So these men in their trouser robes, head covering, and other clothes were tied up and thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Since the king's command was so urgent and the furnace extremely hot, the raging flames killed those men who carried up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men... It felt bound in the furnace of blazing fire. And I know we're going through a lot of scripture, and I, I, you guys are staying right here with me, and I love it. This is awesome, because this is a great story. Okay, but as we read that last part, there's, there's a recurring theme that, that we're probably noticing here in the book of Daniel. And the recurring theme, as, as Joe Sprinkle puts it in his commentary, is that God may expect his people to sacrifice their lives rather than disobey his commands. Okay, these guys just chose to obey God. And they just got thrown into the furnace. The furnace is so hot that dudes are dying carrying them up to the furnace. And they, 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 they don't, they're not burning up and going, okay, 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 no. As we see throughout the book of Daniel, God may expect his people to sacrifice their lives rather than disobey his commands. And this isn't the only time in Scripture that facing death for the sake of our faith and obedience to God happens. Jesus said to his disciples, when, when he was saying, hey, you're going to go share the gospel, he follows it up with, hey, and just so you know, you'll, you will be arrested. You'll be persecuted. You'll be, you'll be hated. You'll be, you'll be killed because you're my followers. So the, the threat of death over one's faith, it, 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 it's not unthought of. It's not unheard of. But what happens to these three? What happens when the threat of death is carried out? And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. King Nebuchadnezzar jumped in a lot. Okay, they went in the fire. So hot outside of it are burning. And what does King Nebuchadnezzar say? He says, didn't you throw three men bound into the fire? And they say, yes, of course, your majesty. And he says, look, I see four men, not tied, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And when the satraps, prefects, governors, and the king's advisors gathered around, they saw that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men. Not a hair on their heads was singed, their robes were unaffected, and there was no smell of fire on them. And this is the cool part. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted him. They violated the king's command. So I, know, I, I love this part. They violated the king. They violated his command. I don't, he could have just said they violated my command, right? <laughs> they violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. So remember a second ago we talked about how Nebuchadnezzar was, it, it's pretty clear that he was like, yo, you didn't worship my gods. You didn't do my thing. And how cool at this part of the story that it is Nebuchadnezzar himself the one that commissioned their death, the one that, that, that says, if you don't do what I say, you're going to die, that he is the one that declares out loud that they are living in the furnace. That, that, that he is the one that says, oh my goodness, there's a spiritual being from God that is with them. 
And then it is Nebuchadnezzar who acknowledges the power that God demonstrates saving them and declares the praise of, for their actions that these guys did in defying him. The king goes on and he worships the God of the Bible. And, and, and I think that story is, is amazing. And I, I love that. I love that these, these guys went and they, they said, hey, I'm, 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 I'm going to obey God and I might die. And then it's like, nope, you're going to die. Okay. And then they don't die. And the guy attempting to kill them is the one who ends up declaring God and pointing. And, and that's why when they, they didn't say much before because they didn't have to because God would. Now, now, now if, if friends, it's important to see that because we need to remember that our God can save. Our God will save. He, he saved then in Daniel. He, he, he is mighty to save. He, he saved when he imparts the righteousness of his son on us and gives us salvation. And he's going to save when he returns to earth and he takes us home. And, 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 and between when he takes us home and this story and all the way back to Adam and Eve, there are more stories than we know of when he has saved. And I think we can say amen to that, right? Our God saves. But, but with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, although they were saved from death in the furnace, we, we have to recognize that it's not a general promise for those who faith de face death for the sake of their faith that they're going to live. And, and I think that's tough sometimes. There's, there's this tension of, man, I read this story, and I'm like, oh, this is so exciting, but, 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 but that isn't always what happens. For though we, we, we see many being saved in the book of Daniel, it's not always the case in Scripture. If I can reference the Old Testament scholar Joe Sprinkle again, he, he puts together a great list when, he, when he's talking about it. He says, hey, we also have to remember, though, that, that John the Baptist was martyred during Jesus' earthly ministry. Early church, both Stephen, after preaching a, a, a great sermon and, and speaking the gospel, and, and James, they were both martyred. And Revelation speaks of Anipis and, and other martyrs. And in some parts of the world today, Christians are, are still being martyred for their faith. Although we, we, we serve we, and worship a God who saves, death is still present in the world until the return of Christ. And, and sometimes God, as hard as it is to swallow, God in his unfathomable wisdom, he allows people to suffer and be tested by horrific trials, and sometimes that's even death. But we have to remember that, that that's not where our, our hope is, right? That's not what gives us purpose in this life. Because as we're called to be obedient to death, we, we look to our ultimate example, who is Christ. And what did Christ do when he came? Philippians says he humbled himself by coming obedient to the point of death, even to death on the cross. Because Jesus knew there was more. Because he told us before he died, he said, don't fear those who kill the body. Why? Because they're not able to kill the soul. He says, no, fear me, because, 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 and, and fear God, because, because it is God who is the only one who, who can destroy both the soul and the body. So whatever happens on this earth, it is, it is your body, not your soul. Because Jesus didn't come to save our physical body here. He died to save us for eternity. He died to save our souls from eternal death so that we might be able to spend eternal life with him. He became obedient to death because he knew that in rising again, death would no longer be the end. So Jesus gives the last word in this. So when, 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 when he calls us to obedience, even in the case that we might die, Jesus will still have the last word about our souls, about our eternal life. And so that means 
we, we, as believers in Christ, we can trust God as we obey him, even if it means death. Okay, we can trust God as we obey him, even if it means death. Now, I don't know about you, and I know this is feeling, feeling heavy this morning, um, but I'm just, I've, I've never faced death like we just talked about. I've never been in that, that moment where, where my life hangs in the balance. And maybe I have, but I, I was not aware that that was simply on an action of obedience. But I can only imagine that, that some of those in Scripture, when, when they face death, even though, even though I, can't, I can't fathom what that experience was like, I, I can only imagine that they probably were praying for help. They probably said, God, I, I need you. God, help me. And, and although my prayers have come from a different place, I, I know what it's like to pray for help. And I'm going to kind of bring it down. I know we were just talking about, about being obedient to the point of death, but, but I want to bring it down a little bit to more, to more our day-to-day -day life now, okay? Because I know when I'm going through life, I've got, I've got four great kids, okay? But I, also, I have four kids, okay? <laughs> Woo! And my wife, she has four kids and a husband. Like, whew, She's, she prays for way more help than I do. And, 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 and here's the thing. I'm, I'm praying for hope because, because, man, I love those kids. I want them to know Jesus. I want them to grow and be able to, to make it in this world. I'm praying, God, help me. Help me to love my wife and, and to, to care for her and, and, and to not fall into sin. I'm praying, God, I need you as I'm trying to do all these things in ministry and in work. And maybe, maybe God, could you, sometimes I'm, I'm even saying, God, help me. I'd love to do some hobbies. God, help me take care of my home. God, I've got a, a, a leak in the roof and, and, and something falling apart here, and my kids are screaming. God, I can't handle it. I need your help. I need God's help every day. I need him every day. But, but sometimes, I'm going to be honest, when I'm saying this prayer of help, I mean, I, I was doing this just, just the other day, and I'm praying. I'm like, God, help me, and I'm, I'm going through this list, and I'm feeling stirred up, and I'm just like, oh, and I'm holding on. I'm like, God, I need help with X, Y, and Z. Let's do this. Come on. Just, like, bring that strength. And you know what I realize in those moments sometimes? Like, oh, dang. I'm not, I'm not listening at all. I'm just, like, praying and holding so tight with all these things that I'm dealing with. It makes me think of a story about a dad and his son. Son, you know, not, not much older than eight years old. And the dad's a contractor. And he says, son, I want you to come, come join me at work one day. And they go. It's, it's a Saturday, so they're the only ones there. And, and um, the, the job right now, it's a, it's a piece of land. They're moving all these rocks off the property so they can build. And the, the father says, so I want you to just help me move these rocks, right? He's, he's a young boy. So they go, and they've got the wheelbarrow, and the, the son's picking up rocks, and he's kind of helping his dad put the rocks in. And, and like, like a lot of eight-year-old boys, he's feeling strong and looking for the next bigger rock. And, and he keeps finding a little bit bigger rocks, a little bit bigger rocks, and finally he gets to a rock he can't pick up. And he says, oh, Dad, Dad, I need your help. I need your help. And the dad comes over, oh, yeah, I'll help you, and he helps him pick up this rock. And they put the rock in the wheelbarrow together. And the son goes, he finds another rock. And this one's even bigger. He says, oh, Dad, I need your help. I need your help. And the dad says, oh, you know what? If we're going to move this rock, we're going to probably want to maybe get a, a, a two-by-four and kind of jack it out. And, and, and they, they work together. And the father helps him come up with a plan to get the rock out. And they, they put it in the wheelbarrow. And the son comes to another rock. And, and he's feeling real confident now because his dad can do it. He can move any rock. 
and he finds the biggest rock he can find, and he's there, and he's, and he's picking it up, even though he knows he can't move this rock, and he's pulling it, and he's pulling it, and he says, Dad, I need your help, I need you, I need you, and the dad comes over, and the son is just ready for him to hear him saying, I need your help, and the dad's just, he's going to do whatever he can to move, and he's, he puts his hand on the son's shoulder, he says, hey, son, he says, actually, I'm going to move this rock. I don't, I don't need, I need you to back it, but I'm, I'm actually not going to move this rock today. I'm going to move this rock another day. And the son says, but I, I want to move that rock, Dad. Let's move it. You've got, you've got the excavator over there. Let's, let's do it. We can move it. And he says, no, no, this rock's going to stay. We're not moving this rock. And, and, and I think sometimes in my life, I'm, I'm like that kid. I'm, I'm going through and I'm, I'm, I'm moving all these rocks and I, and I find a big rock and I want to move it and I just need to let go. Because I don't know if God's going to say, no, you're not moving that rock. I don't know if God's going to say, oh, I, I, yeah, let's move that rock. I'm going to come help you. Or maybe he says, hey, you know what? I'm going to move that rock in the excavator, but you can come sit on my lap and we'll move it together. Because I forget that, that, that I, guys, I don't have the power of moving all the big, big rock things in my life, making, making all the change because it, it is God. God's plan is the plan that it is going to work and that is going to truly move in that. And, and, and I just need to let go sometimes. Not, not because I might, not be, I might be helping move that rock, but, but, but I need to be willing to, to step back and say, God, what are we doing here? Is this, are we moving this one? Are you moving this one? Should, what's going on? And, and, and I think for me, and I think, I think for all of us, maybe we, we can take the words of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The words after they said, hey, our God is going to save us. And then they say, but even if he does not rescue us. What if we change that? And we said, but even if he does not rescue us from financial ruin. But even if he does not, this, this moment that, that I, am, I am just, I, I don't know what to do. May, or maybe he says, you know, but even if he does not choose for me to be the one that brings that person to Christ. Or maybe he doesn't choose me to be the person who brings, who, who leads my kids to Christ. Or maybe, maybe, we ask the question, but even if he does not let my body recover from this, we, we need to be able to trust God and remain obedient, even as we step back and we say, God, we're, I'm giving you control. And I think sometimes it's easy to read, the, if, if I face death, I, I will be obedient. And maybe not. I know for me that, that I've, there's been moments where I'm like, oh, I'd die for that. But, but, but then when I really look at my life, how many times have I been holding on to something like, I want my life to go this way? Will I be obedient if God says, yeah, I can't be obedient if your life's going to go that way? Can we, can we allow our job or our finances, our dreams, or, or maybe even a relationship, will we allow those be the things at threat of being thrown into the furnace for the sake of obeying God? Maybe it's not our life. Maybe it is something else that needs us to say, yes, that can go in the furnace even if it burns up. I, 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 I believe God won't, but maybe it will. As friends, we aren't going to be able to do this if we're not making God the purpose of our lives, though. If, if God is, if our relationship with God is not where we gain purpose from, when we have that moment, we're just going to say, well, I just can't justify it. Because if we are not saying that God is above all things, if we're not pursuing Him above things, it's going to be really tough in that moment when that happens. Guys, we've got to pursue Him. We've got to obey Him. We've got to seek Him in prayer and to, to be willing to give up everything for God. And I promise, 
And, and scripture promises there is so much joy in that. John 15 says, as the Father has loved me, this is Jesus speaking, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you remain in my love, just as I have my Father's commands and remain in his love. And then what does he say? He said, I have told you these things so that my joy, Jesus' joy, Jesus' joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. If we can believe that, when we have that moment where we're like, okay, God, you're saying that, 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 this, that, that this might have to go in the furnace and it might not come back out. But if we're saying, oh, yes, but, but I, I have Jesus' joy in me and my joy is made complete in him. He is the only thing that is worth obeying above all things. Our joy is made complete when we remain in love and remain in the love of God and follow him. And we experience this joy by living with him and through our purpose in Christ. Because faith in the face of uncertainty, it means that we trust that God is greater than the things we want from this world. Right? We, can, we, can we trust that God is greater than the things we want from this world? Now, I, I want to kind of pull out a little bit to, to, to kind of swing the pendulum a bit. Because I know that, that sometimes it's kind of easy to just be like, yes, I'm, I'm just going to give it all. Right? Has anyone ever heard of the term, let go and let God? Let go and let God. And, and I, think there, I, th I think there's truth in that. But I think that it's, um, I'll call it a, a very low context term. So um, it can, you know, it's catchy and it's, and it's, it's helpful when we think about it. But when, when, when someone's really in a moment of life that's really hard, it's, it's not always the best advice, right? You know, you know a, a single mom, she's got toddlers, she's asking for prayer, her life's a mess, bills are piling up, the kids are wild animals, and you're like, oh, girl, let go and let God, okay? You got this. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, we think about that term, like, we like it, but then when we put it in context, you know, and, and, but let's say she takes, she's like, all right, friend, I, I have nothing left, but okay, I'm going to let go and I'm going to let God. Like, what's going to happen? She's going to walk in the door. She's going to, single mom, she lives by herself, and she takes that advice. She walks up, the, the, the toddlers are screaming, poopy diapers are everywhere, the house is a wreck, there's, there's hungry humans, and she's just, I'm going to let go, and I'm going to let God. <laughs> like, church, I, 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 was, I was actually, I was a single dad for, for three years, and I had a toddler, and I will tell you, that let go and let God does not mean that. The poopy diapers, they get more full. The bills, they keep coming. And I'm not going to say that, that, that miracle moments don't happen. I will tell you, I remember there was a time someone left groceries at my store door. There was a time when someone, come, someone came and said, hey, I'm going to watch your kid today, and I'm going to help you out. But, 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 but I, I couldn't just live this let go and let God advice. Because it's, there's, there, it's, there's something different in it, okay? I'm going to reveal a secret about myself. Some people know this secret. And don't judge me, okay? <laughs> but my favorite country song is the Sunday Night Football theme song. Because I'm just, I'm going to be honest, I'm not a big country fan. But I love it. Does anybody know who sings that song? Waiting all day for Sunday night. Oh, who is it? No, it's Carrie Underwood. So therefore, Carrie Underwood is my favorite country artist, okay? Because she wrote my favorite country song. But before I realized how much I like uh, Carrie Underwood, back when I was in high school, she released a song that was really popular, and it was called Jesus Take the Wheel. Anybody remember Jesus Take the Wheel? 
Jesus, take the wheel. Never thought I'd be singing so much Karen Underwood on a Sunday. <laughs> Anyways, so that song came out when I was, I was in high, it came out 2005, I graduated high school 2006. Okay, I'm 35 years old, if you're doing the math. Um, <laughs> and when that song came out, you know, being in like youth groups and stuff, it was like, it was the thing. It was like, oh, like you'd be praying, Jesus, just take the wheel of this morning. Like it was, and, and, and I, I think it's a really cool sense. I'm not, I'm not trashing it, okay? But, but it, it was all over the place. And I remember I was, uh, you know, driving one day and, and things were tough. I was facing all these things. I probably had girl problems. I had school problems. I, I had all these things going on. And I remember I was just praying. I was just like, God, I want you to just, I just want to give everything to you, God. I want you to know in this moment I give everything. And I'm, I'm driving down the freeway at 75. I just went under the Peace Portal Bridge coming up into Ferndale. And I just said, Jesus, take the wheel. And I just let go of that steering wheel. And I just, and I just pray, I said, Jesus, you have everything. This is all yours. Everything I give you, everything. And, and I was trying to, I just wanted him to see it. And praise God, I didn't cry, okay? <laughs> and I put my hands back on the steering wheel. I kept driving. And the next day, I was talking to a friend, and I was like, oh, man, like, yeah, I'm just trying to give everything to Jesus. I'm just trying to live for him. And I was like, I'm trying, to, I'm, I'm, I'm so submitted to Jesus. I'm so surrendered to him that the other day, I just looked over the stream. I said, Jesus, take the wheel. I'll never forget. Looked at me and was like, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, you're serious. And I was like, but I just, oh, and they're like, Brian, that's not what that's about. That's not what, that's not what, what God wants when he wants you to surrender. And, and I think that's so important because, because it, when we look at this story, these, these three guys, they're not being they're not being reckless in the eyes of God. Yes, the world might see them as reckless, but they're not being irresponsible, okay? When, 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 when God calls us to surrender to him, he's not calling you into irresponsibility and ignoring all the things that he wants you to do, right? You can't just, you can't just say, gosh, God, I don't know what to do in my marriage. It's just too tough, and so, oh, I don't know. I'm just going to give it to you and stop trying. Like, no, that's, that's not, you can't just let go of the steering wheel and God's not going to go, oh, you finally, like, guys, we've got to, we, we, we still have to be responsible and obedient to God. When, when, when scripture says that we got to love God with all our, our hearts and our souls and our mind, that isn't, that isn't giving up. And that's the thing. Surrendering to God is not giving up. Okay. And so when we look at these things, when we think, man, I'm holding on tightly to this rock. I just need to let go. I need to let God say or who's going to move it, how it's going to be moved. We're not giving up. We're surrendering to God and saying, God, I'm going to continue being obedient. I'm going to continue in prayer. I'm going to continue in reading your word. I'm going to continue in loving you and in loving others. Like those things got to still happen. Okay? Surrendering to God does not mean giving up. And, and, and I know that, that, that that's it, but I, I, I put that as our point because when we, when we think about it, we have God, God call us to, to obey even to the point of death. And God wants us to know that he is greater than all things. And we have to remember that in faith, okay? But we also have to remember that he's not calling us to give up. And all three of those things are important because we could easily swing the pendulum one way of, of, of just, ah, oh, who, oh, I just, I need to take care of myself all the way to like God's going to take everything. And we have to recognize that when our purpose comes from our relationship with God, 
He is going to take care of things. And that means that we need to press into him. If we're truly saying, God, I surrender to you. It's like if, if you were a kid and you say to your parents, like, I'm just, I'm gonna, you guys are gonna take care of me. Like, man, how crazy would it be if my, my 10-year-old kids, I got two that are 10 right now for two months, they're 10. And if they both just said, we'll just do whatever you say. We'll clean the house. We'll just sort of like, would I just be like, great, you don't need to do anything. I'm gonna carry you around the house. It's gonna do it. I'd be like, oh, great. Hey, like, like God, our relationship with God he says, I want you to, to know me. I want you to be close to me. I want you to, to, to love me, to experience me, and to, to experience my love. And that doesn't happen just laying down. And when we have our purpose in life rooted in our relationship with God, we will realize that that, that relationship is one that we want to give everything for one that is better than everything in this world, one that, that we would never want to just lay down and, and, just, and just not contribute because what a joy it is to be a part of that relationship. And the last thing I'll, I want to say today is may, maybe, maybe as we've gone through this and I've, I've talked about purpose and I've said, hey, we've got to remember our purpose because that will, will give us confidence in, in, in those moments where faith is required. You, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, Brian, like, I, I, don't, I don't have a purpose. Or, or Brian, I don't, I, don't, I don't feel like I experienced that, that purpose. In God, I want to tell you that 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 Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he he does so much work, and he he wants to be in a relationship with you. And it is on His strength that that relationship takes place. It is by His power that that relationship is possible. So if you're thinking, man, I I I, I need a greater purpose. I want the greatest purpose, guys. Jesus is that greatest purpose. A relationship with him is the greatest in this world because it is the only thing that will last forever. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you, that you sent your son, that he died on the cross and that he rose again and that he conquered death and that he says, I am preparing a place for you. God, that we can know that, that, that whether we face death in this world or whether we face taxes, whether we face difficult relationships, whatever it is that we face, God, that we know that, that you are calling us to forever. And God, I just pray that, that we would remember the purpose that that gives our lives, Lord. That you would remind us that, that it is by your power that all that is accomplished and so we can trust you with everything even when the outcome looks uncertain, even when the outcome looks scary, even when the outcome looks like something that, that this world says, you don't want that. God, I pray that we would know that in Christ, in Christ, we have joy. Our joy is made complete. And we thank you, Lord. We praise you. We pray that you'd remind us this as we go about our week. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.